0: This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Good morning. Happy almost new year to you, church. Isn't he worthy? Isn't he wonderful? Amen. I am going to be preaching sitting down today, if that's okay with you. I'm not feeling my super best to be super transform, or to be super transparent, Um, But I'm excited about the word um, today. and uh, I just it's been burning in me for a couple of weeks now, and um, I'm excited to, to bring it, and I, and I feel a little like there's some spiritual warfare in this. Um, and couldn't sleep last night, and then not feeling good this morning, and had to sit during first service. And so um, intercessors in the room, you know who you are. Be interceding um, through this message, because I really believe that this could be a life-changing day for you, um, that you could look back in a couple of years, three years from now, and be like, man, 12 2023 the Lord started something in my heart. And um, I'm really expectant that that's going to happen for some people today. Um, so I'll, 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 uh, just start by saying, uh, last night I could feel like the tightness in the room in a couple of spots and, um, I don't know if people were feeling conviction and like not knowing what to do with that, but I'll just say if you're, if you're feeling conviction today at any point, not, not condemnation, but conviction, um, lean into it. Um, conviction is good. Um, That's how the Holy Spirit works and ministers to us is um, through conviction and showing us something like an image of Jesus um, where we need to be changed. We need to be transformed. So lean into conviction if you feel that. Um, And uh, yeah, just, just... just be open today to what the Lord wants to do and to what the Lord wants to say to you. If any point feels like it's like corrective, know like he disciplines those he loves. And so if you're feeling correction in an area, just know like this is because he loves me. Um, he prunes the things that he cares about. Um, so know that this is all in love. And um, yeah, I'm excited to, to break open the word with you. You guys good with that? all right if you've been around new song um for any length of time you know josh and i's story um back in 2012 halfway through a pregnancy i went in for an ultrasound appointment to find out if we were having a boy or girl and we found out that the baby that we were expecting had died in utero and that we were going to have to come back to the hospital in three days to deliver the baby stillborn and um, i remember in the middle of that waiting period in the middle of those three days um Josh had to stop and fill a car up with gas. And it's funny, when you're going through something really, really, really hard like that, you just want the world to stop. But it doesn't. Like, things like cars still need gas. Like, that still happens. And we're sitting there, I'm waiting for him to fill it up, wishing that we didn't have to be here stopped. Like, I don't want to have to fill up the car with gas. I just want everything to stop around me. But as I'm sitting there and I'm messing with my contacts that are burning and stinging from all of the tears that I have been crying, the Lord shows up in a still small voice, and I hear these words. As, I, as I'm thinking to myself, am I ever going to feel normal again? Will the weight of this grief ever lift? Um, I, I hear these words. You're going to have to get into the word like never before. You're going to have to get into the word. Like never before. I was 27 at this time. And up to that point, I had no secret place. You know, we talk about the secret place here a lot at New Song. I had no um, daily scheduled time when I would meet with the Lord, a quiet time, some people may call it. I had no scheduled, thin place. I had no daily rhythm of being with God. I loved the Lord. I believed in God. I, um, went to church every weekend. I served, volunteered every weekend in the four and five-year-old class. My husband was a kid's pastor at this time. I had two little kids that I was teaching the Word and reading Bible stories to them every day. But my personal devotional life with the Lord was very sporadic. Um, I had uh, some scriptures memorized. I read my Bible every once in a while, but mostly just to like find promises to stand on for things that I was believing for. But that day at the gas station, when I heard that still small voice say, you're going to have to get into the word like never before. If you want the grief to lift, you're going to have to run to me, not from me. And I knew, like I just knew in that moment, perhaps from the 27 years of being in church week in and week out and hearing over and over and over and over again how important God's word was. Like I knew, like deep down, I knew perhaps from um, singing songs like the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Since the time I was little, since before I could talk really, I knew that this was the word of the Lord. I knew I was going to have to draw closer to him. And I knew that what I needed and what I was looking for would be found on those thin pages of the living word of God. So on July eighth, two 2012, the day after we delivered Felix Stillborn, I got up early and I had my first scheduled meeting with the Lord, my first secret place, my first quiet time, my first thin place. And the veil was thin between heaven and earth. Like I met with God and I cried and I prayed and I read scripture and I studied scripture like I had never read it before. And my heart started to burn within me for the scriptures and for Jesus. And so I showed up the next day and the day after that. And the day after that, the day after that, for some 365 days. And it was an amazing year. And I grew so much and my heart healed, but then life got really busy. Then we moved here to Oklahoma City to plant this church called New Song. And at the time I had a six-year-old and a three-year-old and an almost one-year-old. And you would assume at this point, that because we're about to be senior pastors and we're launching a church, that my devotional time would increase and my desperation for the Lord would increase, but it didn't. Um, I think I kind of thought, like, oh, my heart's good now. Like, I'm not super sad anymore. My heart has, it is whole, and I, I, I'm not as desperate anymore, and so I don't need to be in the Word like never before Like, that was an intense season, but now that season is over, and then my quiet time with the Lord slowly but surely became very sporadic once more. But in November of 2020, somebody say 2020, God captured my heart in a way that it hadn't been captured before. That's the only way I know how to describe it. He captured my heart in a way that it hadn't been captured before. I realized that I was going through the motions um, I was really frustrated with a lot of things. I was frustrated with the church, with New Song Church. I remember lamenting to Josh in the car. It doesn't feel like New Song Church. It feels like same song church. Like, what are we doing? I was frustrated with the state of the big C church. I was frustrated with my relationship with the Lord. It felt stagnant. It felt cold. I was frustrated with America. It was 2020. And the things that could be shaken were being shaken. And as I was waiting in a long line, a four-hour long line, to vote for the President of the United States, um, I decided to read, which was very out of character for me in 2020. But I uh, got out my Kindle, um, got the app on my phone, and it suggested to me this book called uh, Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. And I began to read, and it started to slowly dawn on me that there were some gaping holes in my spiritual formation. And I began to see for the first time like this life with Jesus that I did not know was possible. This relationship with him, this love affair, this burning romance with him, this bridal love with him that I did not know was possible. I saw that there was more to following Jesus than just standing in faith for the stuff that I wanted or needed. There was more to following Jesus than just being a good person and going to heaven someday. I began to see like for the first time in my life the importance of being with God every day. Not just in desperate seasons, in heartbreak seasons, not just in intense seasons, but in the everyday, in the boring, in the mundane, um, on vacation or when I'm sick. Like this intense hunger for God. It began to grow in me, this hunger for him. And the further I pursued him, the further I waded in in pursuit of him, the deeper that he called to me. And my heart started to burn within me once again. Like, I was at this place where I could no longer get by with like drive-through, verse-of-the-day quiet times. I was craving a feast, a feast every day. And lo and behold, my shepherd, my good shepherd, he would prepared a table for me. And he was knocking on the door of my heart, inviting me to come and dine with him. He would dine with me, and I could dine with him. So I started to show up to the secret place. I started to show up to that table day in, and day out, building my life, my rhythms, my routines around being in the secret place, being in the word, and some 1,152 days later, my heart is still burning within me with a love for Jesus like I didn't know was possible. I used to sing in, in, in my students' youth group about what a friend I found. What a friend I found, and I would sing it, but I didn't know that it could really be true. But my heart's burning within me, and it just keeps on getting better. This is my prayer for you this year. The Lord is inviting us to three things, New Song Church, as we get ready to start 2024. He's inviting us to come and break, and to come and burn, and to come and behold. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and I'll give you a little bit of context. In first service, you could hear like pages of the Bible turning, it was so good. I love that sound and we don't hear it very often because we've got our devices. There we go, there we go, I love it. Turn with me to Luke 24. We're about to um, read something that took place on Resurrection Day, give you a little context, three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. This is a story about two disciples, many theologians believe them to be husband and wife and they're at the end of a three day waiting period. Maybe not waiting to deliver a stillborn baby, but maybe feeling as if they had just delivered a stillborn baby. Like all their hopes and all of their dreams for the one that was supposed to redeem Israel seemed to have died in utero, seemed to have died prematurely. And here they are, they're walking home, they're crushed and confused, maybe wishing like I was that day in the car that the world would just stop for a second, but the world kept moving ahead and they needed to go back to where they lived, back to Emmaus back to their jobs, back to their homes, their kids. Cars still need gas, and this is where we find them. Let's look at verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near. Resurrected Jesus, Jesus himself drew near, and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? What are you guys talking about? And they stood still, looking sad. And I want you to notice that Jesus draws close to the brokenhearted. He wasn't repelled by them, looking sad by their confusion, by their questions, by their doubt. He draws near to the brokenhearted. It goes on. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? I wonder if they knew they were being sassy. They didn't know they were being sassy with the risen Christ. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now look at this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus took them to the scriptures. How many know that these two got into the word like never before? (laughs) Jesus, the word made flesh, is doing a Bible study with them. He's taking them through the scriptures, helping them to see things and understand things, and he's connecting all the dots for them, and as they're walking and as they're talking, all of it's starting to make sense. Their grief is subsiding and their hope is rising, but they still don't know at this point that they're talking to the risen Christ. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. This lets us know that if we don't want Jesus to stay, then he wants to go, but they wanted him to stay. They urged him strongly saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table, with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. Broken hearts become hearts that burn and burning hearts become hearts that behold. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you, and we want you here. Come, Holy Spirit. Let those who have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Give us ears to hear. We want ears to hear. We want hearts that are open to receive. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're turning into a new year, 2024, the Lord's inviting us to come and break to come and burn and to come and behold. Let's talk about what it looks like to come and break. Um, These two walking on the road to Emmaus, they were heartbroken, like in their minds. This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Jesus was supposed to rule and reign in Israel. He wasn't supposed to die on a cross and then go missing. So their hearts were broken. Their hearts were broken for Israel, They stood there looking sad, scripture says, but Jesus drew near to them and their brokenness. He showed them that the crucifixion was necessary. He helped them to see what they could not comprehend. But Jesus wasn't repelled by their brokenness. He was drawn to it. So my question for you this morning is, what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that breaks your heart? I want you to wrestle with this question this week. Do you ever look around our city? Do you ever look around our region, your workplace, your school, your neighborhood? Do you ever look around, just people watch? Do you ever think about the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross to receive his reward, to receive his inheritance, to receive a people, to receive his sons and daughters, the suffering that he went through for that inheritance and how still so many reject him and don't know him? Do you ever weep over the fact that people all over the Bible Belt go to church week in and week out and they casually brush up against the Christ, but they've never truly beheld him in a way that they're captivated, fascinated, all of my life for your glory, all of me, for all of you? Do you ever weep over the division in the body of Christ, the infighting in the body of Christ? Do you ever, does, it, does it break your heart? when Jesus walks into a room and people can't discern his presence. Or worse, they do know that the king is in the room, but they refuse to respond to his presence with their hard hearts. Does it break your heart that the one who made us to walk with him and to talk with him and to love him and to be loved by him is knocking on the door of our hearts, but we're too busy, we're too preoccupied to even hear the knock. Or we hear it and then we decline the invitation to dine with him for lesser lovers. Does it break your heart that people drink the world's bitter wine, searching for thing after thing after thing to fill them when he is fullness? Does it break your heart that there's people in this community, in our region, that are sitting in darkness when the light has come? That they're sitting in darkness in uncomforted sorrow How many of you have been through something sorrowful, hard, where you've been mourning? Aren't you so glad that you had a comforter with you in that season? When we go through hard things, it breaks my heart thinking about there's people in my neighborhood that go through the same type of stuff, but they don't have a comforter to comfort them. They don't know the comforter. Does it break your heart that people are walking around with unenlightened ignorance and with unconquered sin, slaves to sin when Jesus broke the power of sin, death, hell, and the grave, slaves to fear, living a life alone instead of a with God life. We need to let our heart break, church. We need to let our heart ache. We need to be on our knees asking the Lord to teach us the language of his longing. What do you long for, Lord? What do you long for, God? What's your dream for this city, for this region, for this world? What breaks your heart, Abba? What breaks your heart, Jesus? What matters to you? I know we say at New Song all the time, if it matters to you, it matters to God. But the opposite is true, needs to be true. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. Do we know what matters to him? Do we care about what matters to him or do we just want him to care about what matters to us? Make no mistake, Jesus is high and lifted up and he is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, but his heart still breaks and his heart still aches for those that he came to save. His heart still breaks as the bridegroom, as he looks and sees his bride who is not waiting and ready and crying out for the return of the bridegroom. He sees his bride not, not really caring too much about his return, not desperate for his return. Samuel Whitefield, in his book, Discipleship Begins with Beholding, he says, one of the greatest threats to the church is our own satisfaction. God is not yet satisfied, but we have little desire for God to return, dwell among his people, and receive his inheritance. Jesus suffered more than any man and willingly chose a horrific death to receive an inheritance, and he's been waiting nearly 2,000 years for that inheritance. Does that even move you? Or is your satisfaction and sense of success in this age enough for you? This age desperately needs the witness of a church who was a demonstration of longing and dissatisfaction in an age so satisfied with lesser things. I think we often want to burn for Jesus. We want him to come and set a fire down in our hearts that we can't contain and we can't control and we want to burn for you, Jesus, but we don't want to break with you, Jesus. We don't want to share in your sufferings. We don't want to be bothered with what breaks your heart. But Paul reminds us in Romans 8 that if we want to share in the glory of Jesus, we must share in his suffering. Vance Havner used to say the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. The situation is desperate, but the saints are not. Psalm 51, David writes, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken In a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. He doesn't just want a burning heart. He doesn't just want a burnt offering. He wants a broken heart. Charles Spurgeon used to say, is anything useful that's broken? Like, can you drink out of a broken cup or can you run on a broken leg? He says, though other things may be the worst for breaking, a heart is never at its best till it is broken for what breaks God's heart. Broken hearts become hearts that burn. So what does this look like? I believe what God is inviting us to, I believe this has to do with corporate prayer, with corporate prayer. And I've got good news for you. In January, we have 18 opportunities for you to come and pray corporately with us, for you to come and break, to ask the Lord to give you the gift of tears, to ask the Lord to give you some desperation for our time, for the next generation, for our region, for a move of God in our country every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, starting January 8th, which officially begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, January 8th, we're gonna be gathering in this room at noon for about an hour of prayer and worship. And then every Saturday at 3.20 before our four o'clock service, we gather in this room for pre-service prayer. Did you know that there were people gathered here at 8.20 this morning praying over the services, prophesying? I was in the back because I wasn't feeling good, but I could hear them praying, and I could hear somebody prophesying about the Lord wanting to use this church as an example to our state, of what it looks like a body of believers truly practicing the way of Jesus, following after him. Every Saturday at 3.20, every Sunday at 8.20, and then on January 6th, next Saturday, before we go out for Serve Saturday, to serve our community, before we do that, we gather in this room for corporate prayer to let our hearts break and to get the burden for the people that we're about to go and love and serve. So 18 opportunities for you to come and break, to offer the Lord a broken and contrite heart, to ask him to break your heart for what breaks his. The situation is desperate, new song. Are you? Are you desperate? And maybe you'd say, well, I have a really great private prayer life. Like, I've got a prayer closet, and that's where I pray, and I pray. And I do battle every day alone in my prayer closet. That's great. That's awesome. Please keep that up. Um, but did you know that every, almost almost every mention of prayer in the book of Acts is referring to corporate prayer? It's referring to corporate prayer. Um, there's very few references to private prayer in the book of Acts. Um, I know for me, we've been gathering every Wednesday as a church um, for the last two years, midweek prayer, Wednesdays at noon. And for me, being in the prayer room every Wednesday, week in and week out, it keeps me desperate. It keeps me hungry. It keeps my heart broken for what breaks God's heart. Like I have got my own prayer times with the Lord where it's just me and him, but there's something about being here and being um, together with my brothers and sisters, crying out for, for the, whatever the burden of the day is. Um, it helps me to care about what God cares about instead of just asking him to care about what I care about. 18 opportunities. How many of those can you make? You may not be able to make all of them, but how many can you make? I really want you to do this. Um, please hear me. Like, Go home today and prioritize these prayer meetings. Get out your planner and look over Like, which ones practically could you make? Maybe you have to take it uh, your lunch break and be up here one day. Whatever it looks like. What are you doing next Saturday at 3.20? Maybe you can't ever make a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but could you make Saturday? Could you make Sunday? I want you to go get your planners and I want you to write one of these at least one of these prayer meetings in your calendar make it a priority how many know what you write in your calendar you do like uh, thursday three twenty, dentist appointment teeth cleaning that's written on your calendar guess where you're going to be thursday at 320 you're going to be at the dentist getting your teeth cleaned so often we, we we make our calendars about what we have to get done but our calendars also need to be about who we want to become who are we becoming? We got to prioritize things. Like how sad is it that we prioritize teeth cleanings over prayer meetings? Write this down. There's power to writing something down in your calendar. Who do you want to become? You've got a calendar for that. You've got to make space for that. I want to become a person who shares in the sufferings of Jesus, who breaks and longs and aches for what he longs and aches and breaks for. Can you imagine If all 700-ish adults that attend New Song, that call New Song home, if they would show up to one or two prayer meetings this January, I'm telling you, I really feel like it's a word of the Lord. I believe that this room is going to be filled with Emmaus Road moments, moments where Jesus sees a group of hungry people gathered in Edmond, Oklahoma, who are wanting to share in his sufferings who are praying for the gift of tears, who are praying for the gift of desperation for our region, for our families. And when he sees that, he himself draws near. And he will begin to walk with us and he will begin to talk with us and he will begin to open up the scriptures for us and he will show us his dreams and his longings and we will begin to pray in step with the spirit. The spirit and the bride unified in intercession prayer. Coming out of this house, spirit and bride, unified intercession for our city. Are you in? You guys good? Good. All right. Number two, come and burn. Come and burn. Leviticus 6. It's offering some instruction for for, uh, the priest concerning how sacrifices were to be made in the tabernacle of Moses. It says in verse 12, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. Somebody say burning. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. Now, we know that there is no longer a tabernacle. There is no longer a physical altar that a priest has to um, tend to and make sure that the fire does not go out. We are now uh, the temple. God tabernacles in us. And we are a kingdom of priests. Did you know that? We're gonna talk about that in our series coming up, Fill the Earth. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Revelations 1, 5 through 6 says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us. What did he made us? He makes us a kingdom priest, it says, to his God and Father. As priests, we must tend to the altar of our heart daily, and we must keep the fire on our hearts burning. Okay, to keep the fire going in the tabernacle, think about this with me. The priests had to be attentive. Like, they had to pay attention. They had to make sure that that fire did not go out, did not dwindle down. They had to see to it every single day. They had to add wood to it every single day. They had to be, pay attention. How attentive are you to your heart? Is your heart burning for the Lord? Is Jesus your all-consuming fire Is he the living flame of love that is burning hot in your life? Does the altar of your heart have a fire burning on it? First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. I think often when we think about quenching the Holy Spirit, we visualize that as like taking a big bucket of ice cold water and just throwing it on the Spirit um, through like sinning or saying something off-putting, off-color, and it grieves the Holy Spirit, and the dove flies away, and the flame dwindles down. Um, but I think more often than not, the Holy Spirit is not quenched through the pouring on of water, but it's through neglecting the fire. It's neglecting the fire, the fire for Jesus that we want continually burning in our hearts. That fire doesn't typically go out, like, in one fail swoop. Like, think about, Those times, like you've come back from students' camp and you're so on fire for God. That doesn't go out like the very next day. It goes out gradually over time. Or 21 days of prayer and fasting, I feel so close to God, I'm so on fire for God. That doesn't go away day 22. It happens gradually over time. It's through neglect that the burning heart is quenched. Think about any romantic, passionate, um, loving relationship. Um, That relationship, it it, it doesn't fizzle out all of a sudden because somebody comes in and says out of the blue one day, I hate you, throwing like a huge bucket of ice water on this fizzling romance. No, it goes out slowly over time, not because somebody says, I hate you, but because somebody stops saying, I love you. Somebody stops saying, I need you. Somebody stops saying, I adore you. They aren't putting wood on that fire and it's through neglect that the burning heart is quenched. As a kingdom of priests, how do we keep the fire going? We need to be thinking about questions like this. How do we keep our hearts burning for Jesus? To the church um, at Laodicea, he says, uh, either be hot or cold, or I'll spit you out of my mouth. Be useful, how do we be useful? How do we keep our hearts burning? There's a lot of ways, and I really encourage you to study um, the spiritual disciplines. Dallas Willard has a great book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, and he talks about different ways that we can keep the fire burning in our heart, but today I wanna highlight just one. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus, what they said about their hearts burning within them. Let's look at it again. Luke 24, 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures. The scriptures, opening scriptures, the discipline of studying and reading God's word every day. This keeps our hearts burning Bible studies with the living God. This keeps our hearts burning with love for Jesus as we behold him in the pages of scripture. In 1428, the Bishop of England condemned a man named John Wycliffe who had been dead and buried for 43 years to be dug up, his bones to be burned, and then thrown into the river Swift, his ashes. What had Wycliffe done that caused such hatred? 50 years, almost 50 years after his death. Like, you understand that you gotta really hate somebody to go to all the trouble involved in digging up their dead body, burning their bones, and then throwing it in the ashes? This is one sadistic, psychotic bishop. Um, Why, well, what did this guy do? Like, why was he so hated? Well, Wycliffe is known as the morning star of the Reformation. He is known for sparking the great Reformation of the church and for giving the world its very first copy of the English translation Bible. In Wycliffe's day, um, the Latin Vulgate was the main Bible available. And the only copies that were available were in the churches. So you didn't have a Bible on your nightstand or on your coffee table. There was one Bible and it was in Latin. So even if you could gain access to the Bible and spend time reading it for hours in the church, like everybody's having to share this one Bible, um, the common Englishman could not read Latin. So they were forced to rely on the local priest to tell them what the Bible said. Now Wycliffe saw the injustices that were happening within the church because of this. So he argued for an English translation of the scriptures. Now starting in 1380, he supervised the work of translating the scriptures from Latin into English and all of the copies were handwritten because the printing press had not been invented yet. So this was a labor of love, a labor of sacrifice. Now, what made the the bishop so angry is that the loss of the monopoly of scripture um, was a serious concern to Rome. Um, So now people could see, as they read the Bible in their own language, they could see that Christ was the head of the church, not the Pope. So the Catholic church um, condemned the Wycliffe Bible and anybody caught reading it was subject to heavy fines. As the persecution increased, some of Wycliffe's supporters were burned at the stake with a Wycliffe Bible hanging around their necks. But the word was out. The people could read for themselves what God had said. It sparked the great reformation. Fast forward to 2023. The Bible is known as the best-selling least read book. The world has never had as much access to scripture as it does today. And that continues to increase. Like we have almost unlimited access to the Bible, like all the different translations, all the different languages, along with all of the free amazing resources out there, like commentaries and lexicons and Bible Project and YouTube and podcasts, all in our handheld device that can fit in our pockets. Like the prophets did not have what we have. The disciples did not have what we have. The reformers did not have what we have. But the challenge with unprecedented access to the Bible is that people tend not to value things that are free and easily available. Like, can we honestly say that we value the Bibles on our nightstands and on our iPhones as much as those who valued their handwritten copy that hung around their necks as they were burned at the stake? Samuel Whitefield, again, says, we have an unprecedented opportunity to deeply meditate on the Word of God. And we must seize the opportunity. God leads history. God leads history. And he is flooding the world with the Bible because he has a very specific purpose in mind. The Lord wants this generation. He wants this generation to behold him in his word. in a way that no previous generation has been able to. Many do not recognize the value of what we've been given. Forgive us, Lord. But it is time for a people to recognize and take full advantage of it. The digital revolution is not about Netflix, Facebook, and YouTube. It is about free access to the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Is it the book for you? And maybe you're thinking, no, it's not. Like, you don't understand. I've tried to read it, and I just don't understand it. And you've got to be like a theologian or have gone to seminary to love and enjoy the Bible. Let me just this 12th grade educated girl tell you that that is not true. You must stop believing that excuse. Or maybe you would say that um, the Bible, like you can understand it, but you just, it's not really exciting. It's kind of, you find it kind of boring. You lack the passion. R.C. Sproul says our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. You just got to look around to see like, we don't lack intelligence and we don't lack passion. We can figure out like how to make cars drive without a driver in them. We don't lack passion. Look around at any Taylor Swift concert or, 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 or football uh, stadium. We don't lack passion. Our problem is that we're lazy. Studying God's word requires effort. Like to really study and understand and meditate and brood and memorize and ingest and love. It requires effort. And oftentimes people don't study simply because they're lacking the motivation to do something that requires effort. RC Sproul again, he says, Weeds are easier to grow than grass. You ever notice how nobody's ever fighting you when you're about to watch like four hours of TikTok or YouTube? Like it's not like, You never, like, you don't lack the motivation to do that, okay? Weeds are easier to grow than grass. Newspapers are easier to read than the Bible is to study. The curse of labor is not magically removed simply because our task is a study of scriptures. Like, if somebody says, just open your Bible, it'll be easy. If they've told you that, that's not true. You have to put some effort into it. It's going to require effort. Now, I've noticed, like, this trend among um among churches where people love to be in the prayer room, they love to sing, and they love the feeling of being in God's presence, but they don't wanna study, and they don't wanna meditate, and they don't wanna memorize, and they don't wanna ingest God's word, like really reading God's word. And I've heard it said before that Christian mystics or those who focus on being in God's presence, feeling God's presence, Christian mystics without study are only spiritual romantics who want relationship, without effort. You want relationship without effort. And I'm just here to say, that's not us, guys. That's not this house. We pursue the presence of God 100%. We pursue the presence of God, but we're also pursuing transformational discipleship. And we believe that it is our duty as God's people to love his word, to study his word, to understand his word. We need to, in the day and age that we are living in, it's going to get real, real, We need to understand that scripture has primacy over writings, other writings, over church tradition. It has primacy over religious experience, over individual revelation, over your spiritual dream, over your vision. Scripture has primacy over culture, amen? Studying God's word requires effort. Don't, don't, Don't be fooled, it requires effort. It's not gonna come automatic, but the more consistently that we show up, the more consistently that we show up and we open our Bibles and we say, would you walk with me, Jesus? And would you show me things in the scripture? Holy Spirit, you wrote this book. You inspired this book. You're with me. Will you help me to understand it? As we put forth effort, as we open it and we begin to pray prayers like, may the truth of this book, may this book disclose its inmost truth to me. May it grip me. May it mold my life. May I treasure it in my heart through patient brooding and spread my soul out over it so that it may transform me. The more that we show up with a heart like that, I'm telling you, it becomes the most enjoyable work that we put our hand to. It feels a lot less like duty and it feels a lot more like I found God's words, like Jeremiah says, and I ate them and they were to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart this feeds our soul this feeds the fire 2nd Timothy three fifteen through 17 the message it says there's nothing there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus every part somebody say every part every part, every part of scripture is God breathed and useful one way or another showing us truth Exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way through the word we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. Okay, if you've read through the whole Bible, you are in a very small minority of Christians. I could read you all the stats, but I'll spare you. If you've studied the Bible, not just read it, but if you've studied, the Bible, you are in an even uh, smaller minority of Christians. Okay, I've been thinking about this. Wouldn't that, or wouldn't it be something if that were the opposite here at New Song? If that were the opposite. Uh, Back in May, the Holy Spirit began to impress on me the um, need to create a pathway to take our church family through every word of Scripture through every word of scripture. And so I started to, what does this look like? Like, how do we do this? I looked at countless plans and spent days and weeks praying and really researching and asking the Lord to guide me. Like, how can we take our church family through every word of scripture? And I'd like to ask for a drum roll, but I'm not going to because I hate when people ask me to do a drum roll, so I'm not going to make you do a drum roll, okay? I'm going to spare you the awkward drum roll moment. Okay, over the next three years, here's the plan that the Lord laid out. Over the next three years, through our Being Transformed journals, we are going to read through every verse, chapter, and book of Scripture, Now, why three years, Pastor Sarah? Like, why not really push ourselves and read through all of Scripture in a year? Why don't we do the 30-day shred where we read through all of Scripture in 30 days? It's possible. I know. I've done it, and it's awesome. But the goal is not that you read through the Bible in X amount of days. The goal is that you read through the Bible with understanding. I don't want you to be like, I read it in 90 days, and I don't know what, like it was just such a blur. Like I don't remember any of it. Like I'm just pushing and pushing and pushing, but not having time to study and meditate and brood on God's word. So we're gonna take a slower and a more intentional pace. each journal has a blend of the Old Testament and New Testament in it. So we're not gonna start in Genesis and end in Revelation or we'd be in the Old Testament for like two and a half years, which is great, um, but we're, we're, we're gonna have a blend. Um, and that's to prevent like when you start to stall out in that Bible reading plan, when you get to like Leviticus and Numbers, you know you've been there if you've read through the Bible. Um, this is to help you to, to not get weary in well-doing. So we'll have Numbers because every, Every part of scripture is profitable and God-breathed. We'll have those sections in there, but we'll have a little bit and then we'll go over to the Gospel of Mark and then we'll have a little bit more and then we'll go over to the Gospel of Mark. So we've got a really good blend to keep us engaged and to keep us from stalling out in this plan. Um, We also have included um, an an extra thing that's to be read out loud. So you'll see the new pages of the journal. We've, We've laid them out a little bit different. Um, This starts tomorrow, by the way, January 1st. We've got the every word, so if you follow every word, starting with Matthew 1, you'll read through every word of scripture, over the next 3 years. And then you'll see the extra and the family reading. That's in addition to the Every Word, and that's meant to be read out loud around your dinner table. That's meant to be out, read out loud as you tuck your kids in for bed. That's meant to be listened to maybe on your drive to work or in your small group. So, the extra and reading is you can study, you can dig into it, but really the the idea is that the Every Word is what you'd study, you dig in, you meditate, and then the other reading is something that you read out loud together as a family. We're also gonna have like a lint plan that goes along with the church calendar that will fall under that extra slash family reading. Um you can see that we um we we given you wide open spaces in the journal. We've heard you. And um, we know some of you are like, I, my prayer does not fit in this four lines. I need more spaces or my application does not fit here. So we're still gonna have scripture, observation, application and prayer, the SOAP method that you can read about. If you don't know what that is, we explain how to do the SOAP method in the beginning of the Being Transformed journal. But you've got wide open spaces now. So no, no seg- segregation there um, or segments there. And then... Um, We also have a place to take message notes still. So on the weekend with some great questions to ask yourself at the end of every message, really challenging questions to sit with and to think on so that you don't just hear this message and then on Tuesday you're like, wait, what was the message about? You have to, it's some questions to work through. Um, We took out the small group and the core pages because we realized not every group meets every week. So those become some wasted paper, wasted space. Um, So yeah, they're out there today. Um, And maybe you're thinking, I don't really know if I want to commit to a three-year plan. Like, that's a a big commitment, Pastor Sarah. I hear that. Um, Or maybe you're thinking, I've got my own reading plan. I've always done it. I'm just going to do that again. I hear that too. But I want you to hear my heart on why we are continuing to offer this free resource. Um, And I'm also going to share with you just a few quick, like, be aware, like some dangers, the dangers involved in doing a plan like this and then um, some advantages of doing a plan like this. So hopefully you can pray about this and you can make a decision today like, yeah, I'm in or no, that's not for me. Okay. Um, A few dangers to note. The first one is formality. Like anything that we do habitually over and over again, it can turn into formality or something that we do just do it. Like it's not having an effect on our lives. Um, As with any reading plan, we have to guard against this becoming just a box that we're checking on a spiritual Christian to-do list. So we really have to guard, is this just a formality to me or is this the joy and the rejoicing of my heart? And some days it's going to feel like a formality, but if it continues to just feel like I'm just doing this to do it and it's not life-giving, you need to guard against that. Um, Secondly, a danger to be aware of is self-righteousness. Um, I think sometimes when we have like, here's your um, a prescribed reading portion for the day, and we do that, um, then we feel really good about ourselves, and we do it the next day and the next day, and we're like, look how many days that we've put together, and we haven't missed a day, and we we get on a streak, and we can move into self righteousness or spiritual pride, spiritual pride. And a warning sign for this is um, if you do this and your focus is not really on God at all, but on how good you are at doing your journal every day and at how bad others are at not doing their journal every day, that's a red flag. The other side of this is condemnation, like a feeling of guilt and shame. You need to guard against that. Like if you miss a day and you're like beating yourself up and punishing yourself, you need to guard against self-righteousness and condemnation because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So lock in with me here as we close. I really want you to hear me. Um, If you do your Being Transformed journal every single day, for the next three years, God is not going to love you any more than he does right now at the end of the three years. You'll probably love him more, but he's not gonna love you more. Okay, if you miss a week or a month or you say, I'm not even gonna do this plan, God's not going to love you any less. Okay, I need you to hear me, that God's love for you is perfect and God's love for you is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not based, his love for you is not based on your participation or lack thereof with the being transformed journals, got it? Yeah. Okay, so what are the advantages? The advantages of we're gonna read the Bible all the way through, which is pretty awesome. We're gonna study it, we're gonna read it, we're gonna read to understand. Um, time will not be wasted as, as another advantage. How many of you have like, you've woken up in the morning and you're like trying to figure out what to read and you spend like 20 minutes trying to figure out what to read and then you spend like five minutes reading. So we we wanna help you out with this. And if it's just there, you just wake up and this is what I read today, you save time um, trying to figure out what to read. We'd rather you read more than look for stuff to read more. Um, third, Family and friends are gonna have a subject for fruitful conversation. Like you're gonna have fruitful conversation, husband and wives, as you're reading the same things. Small groups, as you're all reading and meditating on the same things. Your children, your students, you're gonna have conversations that are fruitful because you're all studying and meditating on the same things. And then number four, the sweet bond of Christian love and unity will be strengthened. There's a unifying that happens when we're all reading and being nourished by the same words of eternal life. There's a unity that will come in the house. So we've got journals out in the lobby today. And in the past, we've said, just grab one as you go. But we want to bring some more intentionality to this. Um, We want to know that you have decided to journey with us and that you've decided to pick up a journal. We want to know who's taking a journal home. So if you would, there's a form, a QR code. You scan this code. You fill out your name, your phone number, and your email address, and it lets us know you have a journal, and it also is a way for us to reach out to you when we're dropping articles that go along with challenging text. Um, The discipleship team is going to be sharing favorite commentaries, favorite resources, like we start Genesis, and you're going to be able to see, like, this is what I, this is my favorite commentary. This is Pastor Josh's favorite commentary as we get into Genesis, so we're going to share resources and articles with you, so it's a way for us to connect with those who have a Being Transformed journal, Um, and. And then the understanding the Bible classes that Josh Romano mentioned, um, they're gonna go along with the journals. So if you wanna understand the Bible more, Pastor Tondrai and the discipleship team are gonna be getting into the nitty gritty of how to read Matthew, of how to read Genesis, of how to understand this, of how to apply it to your life. And you can sign up, register for those in the app under events. Um, There's only one journal per person. There's a limit, one per person. And we're saying um, 12 and up, ages 12 and up for the journals. Um, and there's also an option to donate if you wanna donate towards the cost of a journal. We wanna be able to continue to offer this as a free resource for the church family because we truly believe in the power of daily abiding in God's word. But if you wanna donate, journals are $8 a piece to print. Um, and if you feel uh, compelled to donate towards that, there's an option to do that, but it's optional. If you don't want to, but it's tight after Christmas, whatever, I get it. Just scroll up, don't do that and submit the um, submit your form. I'd like to invite uh, our altar ministry team to come up at this time, come and burn, come and break and come and behold, come and behold. Back in 2020, when I realized that I had not been tending to the fire of my heart every day, that I um, needed to return to my first love flame, I turned to Jesus and you know what I didn't find? I didn't find him like snuffing out that flame. I didn't find him saying like, yeah, you kind of blew it and good luck getting that flame to, to burn bright again. No, what I found is the Jesus of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20 It says a bruised reed, he will not break. and a smoldering wick, he will not quench. He will not quench. It was as if, as I turned to Jesus and said, I want more of you. I'm not satisfied with this. I want more of you. I want the real thing. I see you. I want to see you more. As I turned to him, it was as if he bent down and he blew on that fire, that weak fire, not to put it out, but to give it some much needed oxygen. And my heart started to burn once again. And I had a desire. He gave me this desire to want to be with him every day. My eyes were opened and I recognized him, not in a single moment. Not in a single moment, that happens for some people, but for me, it was over the course of about three or four weeks, I beheld him. I beheld him and I beheld that this really is the most important relationship in my life. Not just in theory, not me just saying it because it's the the good Christian girl thing to do, but it became reality to me. This really is the most important relationship in my life and I'm going to live as if that's true because it is true. And I'll never neglect this relationship again. I'll never neglect you again. Jesus. He set my heart burning. In Luke 24, we read, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And they went back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples about it. Come and behold. That's my prayer for you. That's my one prayer for you this year. I felt like you should be warned. I felt like it would be good for you to know that that is the one thing that I am praying for you this year, that you would come and behold Jesus, that your eyes would be open; that you would sit at the table, that you would eat with him, that you would open up the scriptures, that you would come and burn, that you would come and break, and that you would begin to behold him in such a way that you are ravished by his love, that you are completely fascinated, that you are captivated, that he has got you forever, that you are his forever. Come and behold him. These These are the invitations for you this year, church. If you would stand to your feet. The altar call is is simple today. Do you want to respond to any of these invitations? Do Do you want to come and break? Do you want to come and burn? Do you want to come and behold? Maybe your heart feels cold. Maybe your heart feels despondent. Maybe your heart feels like I'm satisfied and I haven't been thinking about his inheritance, I haven't been been pining and and, and praying, Maranatha, come Holy Spirit. Maybe you've struggled with your Bible, you've tried every year, every new year you try and then you feel like you fail, you just wanna pray, you just want somebody to lay hands on you and, and pray over that as you get ready to step into the new year, whatever it is, whatever you need to respond to today, respond, step out. What can you be thankful for today? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? How can you praise God for the truth that he wants to dine with you? What sins can you confess today? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person, that you would fill them with confidence, that you would fill them with boldness, that you would fill them with longing, that you would fill them with desire, Lord, that they would respond to what you're doing in their hearts, what you're doing in their lives, Lord, that they would respond, that they would leave today different, they would leave today transformed that they would step out that they would not care about what anybody thinks around them that they would not care that somebody thinks they're 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 going to become a fanatic whatever it would, even themselves that they're having that that inner dialogue like i don't want to be one of those crazy fanatic jesus people i pray lord that you would just break through the lies that you'd give them boldness that you'd help them to see that it's it's there there's a this desire there that you're putting in their hearts to go all in to follow after you to behold you, to burn for you, to break with you, to share in your sufferings. I pray, Lord, that you would just draw us and help us to be obedient in this moment. How can we obey? What do you want us to do? What are you saying to us? Let us respond. Let us respond, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for Newsong Church OKC in the App Store.